Welcome to the Fitness Business University podcast. This is Tom Langton. I do not have Vince Gabriel here today. I have a much better guest with me. Uh, but yes. before, before I introduce the guest, uh, I'm going to tell the story about how I first met this guy. So I don't know, it was probably like eight or nine years ago, we were at an HKC cert in Connecticut. And we were like standing in line waiting to do a Turkish getup or a kettlebell swing or something. And I heard this voice behind me in line. And I'm like, I know that voice. This voice sounds so familiar, but I didn't know anybody else that was at the cert. And I turned around, looked at his name tag, and it was Anthony Renna. And I was like, I had been listening to the Strength Coach podcast in the car on the way to the cert. And there he was standing right behind me. And that was the first intro. It's, it's, if, you've, if, if you're in the fitness industry, you probably know this voice because he's been doing the Strength Coach podcast for 12 years, over 300 episodes. So welcome, Anthony Renna, to the podcast. And thanks for coming on, my man. Tom, thanks for having me, man. Love it. Uh, it that, that's such a funny story, too. And it was early on that happened to me so much because uh, video, we weren't doing any videos for anything. I was, the, I'm always been like at the time, always been the guy behind the guy. So I wasn't doing my own thing as much as I was doing the podcast. I was helping Mike with the, you know, with strengthquits.com. And so I would go to seminars and, and I always ask questions. So people would always come up to me afterwards and say, Hey, uh, are you the you doing that podcast? Cause you know, also back then podcast, you know, you had to upload it to your iPod, right? It was, right. it was a bigger deal that you were listening. So we had a really segmented, like really passionate audience. It's, and uh, sp space had to be, I remember like the early po uh, iPods, I had to like delete the old one to upload the new one or what, like the space was a major issue too. Yes. But yes. You only you, had them. Were, were you the first, uh, tra like strength conditioning podcast or you had to be one of the first out there, right? Definitely one of the first, certainly the longest. Kevin Larrabee is not a strength and conditioning podcast. That was more for general population. So he was there. I actually had a podcast before Strength Coach Podcast. It was called the Better Golf with Fitness Podcast because gotcha. I, you know, in the golf business. And uh, so that's how I really started. But uh, but yeah, I was there was there there was definitely a couple there. I don't think they're still around though. So right. like just really kind of talking to strength coaches talking to a guy like Mike Boyle every episode, you know, and, and then perform better has been on every episode, et cetera. So yeah. And super, super consistent. We were talking before we, we recorded 12 years, two episodes a month, every, every two weeks you get one. And plus like a lot of like cool interviews in between, like, so I'm, I'm sure everybody listening to this is already listening to it, but the strength coach podcast is the best one out there. Um, right, but, but, but the reason, the reason we had you on, I mean, the reason I wanted to have you on was not only do you have that podcast, but like, you're in the tre you've been in the trenches the entire time as well. So like you're kind of, let's dive into your story a little bit because you actually got into the fitness industry a little bit later in life, right? This wasn't like out of college you jumped in and opened a gym, did you? To dive in, dive into your story a little bit. Yeah, I was in, I was in the bar business for um, on and off for about eighteen years. I you know uh, through my twenties I, I traveled a little bit, worked in Yellowstone National Park and and uh, worked in. Uh, Alpine Meadows Ski Resort in Lake Tahoe and Portland, Oregon. I was a bicycle messenger. And so, and then I came back, I finished my degree when I was like 23, 24, was just bartending for a couple more years and then um, moved to, to New York City and, and kind of kept with the bar thing, uh, bar and restaurant thing for, uh, for about another 10 years. And I was just drifting. Uh, that's a, what, how I like to say. I just... I was kind of in the business and I was in kind of, I was managing and general managing and opening bars for people, but it wasn't really, you know, it wasn't satisfying. You know, you get to your mid thirties and you start to think, what am I doing with my life? You know? And 
So I basically was starting to feel that pull a little bit, right? I was getting, I got married at 35. And so my wife had actually gotten me a personal trainer for Christmas, 10 pack. And uh, so I was just, you know, again, I'm question boy. So I was like asking a million questions because I was definitely searching for something. I was like, how do you like this? You know, you know, what kind of money do you make? Are the people cool? What's the atmosphere like? And so here I am, you know, I'm a bar guy and here I am in a gym, which is, you know, and I grew up playing ice hockey. I grew up golfing. I played every sport on the street. You know, as a kid, I loved sports. I, lo- I started to get into a couple of triathlons and biathlons just for fun, nothing crazy um, in my 20s. And I loved being active. And so I thought this is a perfect atmosphere for me. I'm around a lot of people. I get to talk all the time, which I like to do. Right. Um, and I asked them all these questions and I decided, I said to my wife, I go, you know, I'm going to get certified. It's 500 bucks. What's the worst that can happen? I'll, I'll learn how to work out. We just paid 500 bucks for this package. We won't have to buy a trainer anymore. I can train myself. So I did it and I fell in love with it. I got crazy. I was still in the bar business going to workshops on PT on the net. I saw a great cook. I was, I was still running these two bars and um, he had said, Hey, there's two great books out. You all have to get these books. They're brand new. Functional Training for Sports by Mike Boyle and Core Performance by Mark Verstegen. So this is 2004, right? Yeah, yeah. I just started, I fell in love with what the message is in those, book, in those books. And I decided I'm taking the plunge. And I started to think, you know, research. I found out that Equinox was kind of the best, like the best, had the best education, the best rep, reputation. And um, so I applied there and um, I got the job and started August 1st of 2004. <laughs> and uh, I never looked back really. And I just fell in love with it and went to everything I could uh, possible, you know, and I, I really ramped up really quick. I guess being a little older probably helped being a little bit more um, uh, responsible, maybe being a little bit more afraid, like, wow, I just left this great career where I was making some dough. And here I am. I actually caddied my first, like right before I got the job at Equinox, I went back to caddy and just to, you know, and I was working in the bar business and I was caddying just to make extra money to kind of save for my mortgage payments, just in case fitness didn't work out, you know? So you're pretty busy. You're a pretty busy guy then. Yeah, I was, you know, and I just, you know, that's why my wife was all for it because she was like, Hey, he's, he's, working his butt off to do this and she was like too scared probably too but you know she had a corporate job she had our insurance covered so it was kind of you know it was, it was pretty easy for me I, I don't mind change so uh but I loved it because I it was I just felt like wow this is this business is very similar to the bar business in a lot of ways and I can I feel like I'm doing something for people and um I feel like I, I'll always have something to learn so it felt good so, so a lot, a lot of people listening to this are kind of like, so you were a trainer, you worked at Equinox for, for a couple of years and then yeah. you decided, you decided to make the plunge and you opened up your own gym, right? Yeah. So talk, talk about like the thought process behind that, the fears that, cause that, that's a big step is going from, you know, working for somebody and then diving into your own facility. So, so yeah. h- how did that, how did that come about where you're like, all right, I'm ready to take the next step. Yeah, I just I, I think I had a couple safety nets. Like the first safety net was I was at Equinox. I transitioned to only the mornings. And in the afternoons, I was kind of trying to do my own thing and build a business, right? So I was going to people's homes. I had a, a little mini gym in my house so people can come there, et cetera. Um, 
And uh, so I was doing that for, uh, after Equinox, I left Equinox. This is a ceiling at Equinox. I, I know there was actually j just an article in New York Times about Equinox and how, um, you know, I don't know, they call it the hunger games of fitness, you know, like it's tough, it's competitive, et cetera. But I loved Equinox. I mean, here they are, they're paying, they're giving you clients, they're paying for marketing, you know, they're paying your rent. I mean, and they're giving you a, a really a decent wage. For me, I was like, this is great, but you hit a ceiling and that's where kind of going on my own started to work. But it, was, it wasn't until another two years that I opened my gym. So I had, you know, let's say I had 20 clients. Let's just say I was making five grand a month. Just, I don't even remember what it was. But I know when I looked at the space, it was in a golf performance facility. I was working with a lot of golfers and I, I wanted to be, you know, I was like, I had this idea for five iron fitness for a golf fitness facility. So I, 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 I just rented space from somebody else. So that was the first kind of easy transition or safety net, right? It's going to be a little cheaper. I'm already in a place that might feed me clients, right? So, and it's close to like, it was centrally located. So now I was going to lose a couple clients. Let's say I was going to lose five clients. I still had 15 people who I knew I was going to make, let's say four grand a month. My rent was only 1500. So I knew I could make my rent, my sleep. That was the number one thing that I was really concerned with. Can I make my rent? Cause it was a mini, it was a relatively small investment. Let's say I put in like 15 or 20 grand into, into the like equipment, et cetera. Um, but I knew I had those clients and uh, I knew um, I could make my rent in my sleep in the very least, and I, I could build my business from there. So it wasn't like, holy cow, what are you doing? You're putting up a million dollars for a 20,000 square foot facility. I really kind of transitioned very easily into it. Right. So, and, and what was it like that, I, I guess one of the biggest struggles when we talked to the, the business owners and we were talking about it before is like, you had a love, a passion for working with people and training people. But when now all of a sudden you become an entrepreneur and it's, the lifestyle changed a little bit. Now you, like, you have to balance your time. And it's like, there's a lot of time spent by yourself. And there's a lot of other added stressors on top of that. So like, what was that? How, how did you kind of manage that and in, in a little bit difference in lifestyle all of a sudden? Yeah, I, well, you know, just first of all, coming from running these huge bars, right, that were for other people, for like some celebrities in New York, um, you had to like I the last bar I, I I ran two bars simultaneously and the one of the bars I had on a Friday night I had thirteen security guys sure. I had t eight bartenders five waitresses two barbacks four busboys two bathroom people that those were all under me on a Friday night like just you know so I had this kind of busy and you know I had to run stuff in the day too so I had this experience of I knew what I didn't know and so I actually took a this, I recommend and I'm not saying this just because we're talking to guys that have a business program but if you're going to open a place get coaching right away get it because I actually took a program from Eric Ruth and I, I, I forget the Sean Greeley it was called the duplicator and it was basically learning to duplicate yourself. So you don't, you could put that, you know, your, your duplicate, your duplicated self in the business and you could work on your business. Right. So I knew I was going to struggle with some of these things and I hired an assistant right away. So I had an assistant, not another trainer, an assistant to kind of handle some of those other things. So that really helped with the transition but you know that's the one thing like you get so overwhelmed with here you are a trainer and I, I always like to say just because you can cook 
doesn't mean you should open a restaurant. Right. right. Just because you know what you're doing, you're, you know, you're a great, you know, you're, you have a good physique and you know your nutrition doesn't mean you should open a gym. Not at all. So um, that was the one thing for me is I like kind of knowing, uh, you know, you got to make sure that you have those things covered and, and you know, you got to be able to delegate and, and you know, uh, uh, source out what you don't, what you're not good at, et cetera. So it's, it, there's a lot going on. Yeah. From the education side, you talked, I know we've talked about it. Um, mass, like a, you've been a part of masterminds for years. We always talked about yeah. kind of the power of the mastermind groups and, and you, and I, you've basically been in one since you got into the industry. How, how has that has, how has that helped you? How has that impacted you like the mastermind groups? Yeah, there's so many amazing things that come from it. So for example, let's say I'm in the SPF, right? Uh, um, uh, it's SPF, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The SPF master. Yeah, yeah. That's the master one. Yes, SPF sir. Master. Yeah. Um, so it's not only about learning from Vince and Tom. The important part, like the gold is really in the other people, right? Because you guys get those guys together and they talk and they, they go over their problems. Maybe you do some spotlights. And so any of them, any of the stuff, and that's where I met Vince. I met Vince at uh, at the Cosgrove's uh, mentorship and, you know, et cetera. So masterminds and, and all that. So um, that's where the gold is, right? You're going to make those connections in that. So for me, it wasn't just about Alan and Rachel Cosgrove or Mark Verstegen or um, Michael Hyatt or Craig Ballantyne, all those people that I took, uh, that I've taken um, coaching with over the years it was about the people that i met in those groups as well that are like me and you know like the vince or the alan and rachel or the michael hyatt or they were you know they're like you too they they went through what you know they went through it all that's the, that's the shortcut you're that's why i did be like the best you're learning from these people. That is the shortcut. Learn from the best people and um, then surround yourself with those good people. And that's what a mastermind, I think people undervalue the connections that you make sitting right next to you in that, in those uh, masterminds. I think that's for you, Ant, man, you are like the master connector. I know the couple times, a couple times we've hung out to perform better and stuff. It's like, I just stand next to you and you know, literally everybody that walks by, you're like the mayor of the fitness industry. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. <laughs> like that's one of your biggest strengths is just your ability to, you're like, you, you're, you're cool with everybody. Right. And you talked about be like the best. That's the book that you recently wrote. Right. So, so talk about, talk about that book in kind of, you know, some of the stuff that, so, so be like the best is a book where you interviewed 50 of the top people in the industry. Right. And kind yeah. of just pulling pulling information. So, what was the what, what was the genesis behind that? Well, it's funny because I when I transitioned from gym owner, right? I decided that because when I when I opened Five Iron Fitness in two thousand eight, I had already had started the podcast. So the podcast started in two thousand seven. That coincided with TrainCoach.com. So. I was making money from the Strength Coach Podcast because Perform Better has been my sponsor from day one. So I made a little side hustle from just from doing the podcast. And that led to me kind of working on strengthcoach.com and making money on strengthcoach.com for Mike. Um, and then I had, so then I started like uh, uh, strength and conditioning webinars, which is my own site of uh, doing when GoToWebinar came out, I would record these um, 
um, uh, lectures from everybody. And, and then we, it was a membership site. So I started to make money on that and strength coach TV. And I was providing resources for everybody. 2012, I became a partner in strengthcoach.com. So I had this side gig, which is so important because it's hard to just make money on one thing sometimes in the fitness business. Anyway, um, you can, don't get me wrong, but you know, it helps to have all these other like different revenue streams. So in, in, in searching for my mission and my purpose, I realized that I really loved providing education for people. I loved when people came up to me and said, Hey man, oh, I was just listening to the podcast on the ride here. You know, like, thank you so much for doing it. And thanks. I opened all of my gyms. I, I, I watched all of strength coach TV before I opened my gym. Thank you so much. It helped me so much. I mean, I, that's what was like getting me riled up. That's what I love. That's what woke me up in the morning as much as I loved the facility and my guys and, and working with them, I decided to let that go and to really focus and expand the, the, the educational resources. So my mission is to help fitness professionals become successful and make an impact in the world. And I do that through a couple of different resources. Well, once you find your mission, it answers a lot of questions. So for me, I said, I have to have a website to put everything together, all my resources, and that's that, that's continuefit.com. And I needed a lead magnet. So lead magnet is just what am I going to give you in order to in exchange for your email? And I said, what do people know me for? They know me for audio interviews, but what else is in line with my mission? I want to help them become successful. I'm going to do audio interviews on success with five people. So I called five people: Mike Boyle, um, Alan Cosgrove, Gerald Cooper Smith. Uh, Ron McKeefrey and Don Saladino, five people that I felt represented a good mix of the industry. We did the interviews. I said, this should probably be a pretty good PDF. I should transcribe them. And then I was like, wait a minute, this should be a good book. This could be a great book. And then Tom, you know what happens, man, the voices in your head, what uh, Stephen Pressfield calls the resistance comes in. What do you mean a book? You're not an author. Nobody wants to hear from you and uh, nobody cares. And then um, you know, Tim Ferriss did this type of a book already, but you know, I fought through that and I said, no. And again, going back to my mission, going back to my why I want to help fitness professionals become successful, make an impact. It's going to be about fitness professionals. It's going to be for them, about them. And, um, we're going to talk about that, how they became successful. So that's where it came from. I called 45 more people and said, Hey, I'm, I got a book coming out and, uh, want to, uh, want to include you in it. And, and that, that's how that all started. At first they were just going to be interviews. And then I was like, I need a hook. And I was doing something to kind of think, what, what, how can I summarize some of this stuff? And I thought I was, I was editing Mike's Mike Boyles and Mike had said, one of the things he said was he attributes his success to writing and speaking. So I thought, I got I to gotta tell people this, you know? And I thought, yeah, you want to be like Mike, you know? And it was kind of that play on Michael Jordan back in the day, <laughs> be like Mike. And then I was like, wait a minute, that would be good to do a be like after every person. Be like Vince, be like Mike, be like Alan, be like John. And then I thought, that would be a good name for the book. Be like the best so that's how it came out and uh, so some of these things don't it wasn't like i sat home one day and said i should do a book called be like the best and it should be 50 interviews just kind of came up organically 
uh, we're gonna get back to the book, but before we do, how the hell do you manage? How do you manage your time? Because it's like you, you went like you have. I mean, you were owning a gym. You have the podcast. You have a website. Like, I, and again, talking to entrepreneurs, that's one of the biggest struggles, like time management. Yeah. And, and everybody has a million ideas, and it sounds like you have a lot of ideas too. How do you how do you keep it How do you keep it all together? And how do you kind of stay on the track and organize your time? Is any any tips or anything like? That? Yeah, you know, it's funny because as soon as I sold the gym in December of 2016, I went to go to see Michael Hyatt's. He had a, a workshop on your best year ever, and it was a goal-setting workshop. And I, I went there with my credit card waiting for the sale. Like, I, you know, when you go to those things, they're going to sell some other coaching. And I was like, I, this, the way this guy is doing stuff, and I learned so many things from him, like using a planner to kind of set the next day up. And because when you're in the fitness industry, you end up being, everything gets dictated by that, the schedule of your clients. Right. And then you have some time off in the middle of the day. And that's when I would do all the podcast stuff. Um, but there's so many tools out there. I like what Michael Hyatt says, like, you've got to list everything that you're doing and either, um, eliminate or delegate you know some of those things right and so i started to do that like there's so many little things like for example uh google email has um canned responses so what are all like so for customer service stuff on trainquits.com i get so many of the same question so i came up with canned responses for all those things right so i stopped wasting time on that stuff my schedule like i i started to use calendly which is an app that so if you're going to be on the podcast i send you an, a link i say hey tom would you like to be on the train coach podcast here's my scheduler um and then in calendly it said it asks all these you don't know how much time this saved me because it said it gave you my schedule now you couldn't schedule between 11 and 12:30 because I had that blocked out on my Google Calendar. So I, I used it in conjunction with Google Calendar because I I said okay at, from 11 to 12:30 I have my naps, my my uh, my my walk, my lunch. So nobody could ever schedule that. So that was good. And then, but in Calendly it asks you, Tom, uh, what do you want to talk about? What's your um what's your phone number? What's your Skype address? Um, uh, what are, what, give me links to your uh, picture and your bio. So these are all things that you know that you, as a podcaster, you go back and forth with people. It saved me so much time. So using the tools that we have out there like that to really organize the schedule. And I think one of the biggest things was we tend to have these really big to-do lists, right? And I started to learn through Michael Hyatt's program which is actually called free to focus was look and Vince did this as well. Vince in the book, the be like for Vince was to set, you know, on, at the end of the week, you, you shut down the week. Well, I would shut down the day each day and write out my to-do list, finish up some emails. And then I would say, what are my top three for tomorrow? And I would write it in my planner, right? Cause the planner that he had had a space for top three. And so you start to get away from the stupid little things that sometimes you pick to procrastinate so you don't have to do the other stuff. But you're like, if you thought about this, if you did it only five days a week, all right, so five days a week, I'm going to give you the weekends off because that's the kind of boss that I am, right? Um, I like to give you the whole weekend off. Um, and I'm going to give you a nice. month. 
<laughs> and I'm going to give you a month off. So let's just say 48 weeks. So if you did three things every day, five days a week for 48 weeks, it comes out to 720. 720 tasks that are the most important tasks towards your goal. So that's where I started to really turn things around was like understanding about priorities, um, understanding about the value of that time. Because when you're just drifting, like I said, I was doing with really in the bar business, um, I was really just drifting. And that's what we do when we wake up, when we're not prepared, when we don't start the night before, when we don't know what our top priorities are, when we're not really focused on uh, goals and we don't have, you don't have 10 goals. You can have 10 goals for the year, but you can only work on two or three each quarter really. Right. So right. you really have to start to pare things down. That book, the one thing did a great job of teaching you to understand how to reverse engineer stuff. So that, those are the big things that for me, like really writing things down and, and kind of focusing on priorities. That's awesome, man. Go back to the book, you know, talking to those like 50 of the best in the world. You know, when, a lot of times when people read those books, everyone talks, you know, it's like, it's like everyone's profile, all the great things everybody's done. But yeah. I think people learn best from the, the struggles and the mistakes. Yeah. And, 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 and it, it, was there any commonalities across the board of like, these are the things that even the top performers in the world and the industry struggle with. Is there anything that pops in your head as far as like, you know, what are the things that surprised you when you heard, you know, someone like how Mike Boyle or, uh, you know, that talked about, like, I can't believe he actually struggles with that too. Yeah. I think, I think, I don't know if it was such a surprise cause we we all, we understand, but like sometimes, yeah, you think, Oh, they got it all figured out. Right. Definitely. Uh, nobody has the balance thing figured out. It's very rare. And that's why I liked Michael Hyatt because he did make it a point to really focus on having weekends off, you know, shutting down your work day, whether it's five 30 or six or seven. But when you leave that office, you're done. Right. So the balance is the biggest struggle for people. And really there's no such thing. If you want to be good, if you want to be great at something, you want to be the best in the world at something. And by the way, by best in the world, let's remember it doesn't always have to be the whole, the globe. Like if you want to be the best in Berkeley Heights, that's where you start, right? You got to start at Berkeley Heights and you got to be the best there. And you got to be the best in your County and then the state. But if you want to be the best, like there's going to be a lot of work. There's going to be a lot of like the, the balance of the, the scale is going to be tilted a lot towards work. And everybody struggles with that. I think Craig Ballantyne said it best. He said, there's no such thing as work-life balance. It's work-life mastery. So learn to master as best as you can within those things. That's something that I think really a lot of people struggled with. Also, believe it or not, everybody, although everybody had some form of goal setting process, whether it was, you know, writing it down once a year, maybe putting it up just on their whiteboard uh, quarterly or whatever. I, I was kind of surprised that they didn't have a really more, like as successful as they were, more formal goal setting process, which is, I mean, that's what changed my life was, you know, a couple of years ago was really sitting down and being intentional about figuring out all this stuff. What is your mission? What are your core values? what is your goal setting process? So it was kind of surprising that they didn't have that, that kind of goal setting. Uh, and and there, and there, a lot of them are very disorganized. It's that mad scientist. It, right. it works for them, but 
at the same time, I think they could get a lot more done if they were a lot more organized and they would see the value of that too. But they, they're all exceptional people and they, they've done amazing work and, and they work their butts off, but you know, obviously at a price for a lot of them. Right. One, one thing you were talking about before we recorded was the, the struggle that you have of like your love of coaching and being in the culture. And you, like, even though you don't own the gym, you're still training a couple of hours a week. And I think that's a struggle that a lot of entrepreneurs in the fitness industry have of like their love for coaching yeah. and saying, I don't want to let that go. I don't want to delegate that to somebody else. And I, I still want to have a part of that. So like, how do, how do you, you're still dealing with it now as far as like, you still want to do that, but you, you see other, so many other opportunities so can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, that's that's a huge thing. We, what we were talking about was me leaving the business, but it was the same thing, Tom. Inside when I when I had the gym as well, I you know we all were afraid. Not only I mean we we say it's because nobody can do it like we can, which is bullshit. Because we know it when we go on vacation and and the place isn't on fire and uh, the clients are just as happy and you know and all of that, right? Right. You have to be strong enough to allow yourself to say, you know, get take your ego out of it and and allow that you know to delegate. But I think part of it is we're worried about our identity as well. Like, like, wait, what if I still have to coach because you know people are going to think I fail if I say I stop doing it. Like that, even even now, like when some people say, "Oh, you sold your gym," you know, must not have, must not have done well. It. To me, in my, in my definition of success, I loved my gym. It was great. I made a living off of it. But I also had the podcast and other revenue streams. And so I probably didn't do some things in the gym that could have been better. Now, if I was making a million dollars a year on the gym, don't get me wrong, I wouldn't have sold it. That's right. But it wasn't like I got out of the gym like, I can't take this anymore but it was still an identity thing. And I, I, I had a hard time letting go of, you know, hire, I didn't hire a trainer until like four years, like till 2012, I think. Wow. Right. And so that wasn't good. Um, I did a lot of stuff on my own. And then when I did have one, he was great. And we expanded. I had my place. I had, we were the official trainers of one country club. We were going to start to do a couple more and something happened with his mom and he had to go live back home. And I, it just kind of like, I just didn't want to go through it again. I'd been through it a little bit and I'm like, I don't want to go through this again. So I took some of his sessions back and I just kind of like, Oh, wow, making a little bit more money again. And, and, and then from there I just got burnt out. And that's when I started to say, I, you know, what do I, what am I doing? I really like the other piece of this much more. So that's what, that was the, the really the genesis of me saying, I got to get rid of the gym and really focus on the stuff that's making me happier. So, so what's coming up next? So what's, so what's making you happy? What's next for Anthony Renner? What's, what's the, what do you see down the road? Yeah, I think it's just a lot more of how do I keep providing education for people like, with resources like strengthcoach.com and bodybybonline.com, strengthcoachtv. Um, I would love to do a little bit more of that. Um, I love doing Shrank Coach TV because Shrank Coach TV started from Mike Boyle saying one of the things that he regretted he didn't do when he was younger was visit more gyms. But sometimes Mike can be impractical. And I'm like, yeah, Mike, 
you're telling people to go visit gyms, but what? Like, am I going to get go fly to Detroit and then, uh, you know, San Diego and go visit gyms? Like, that doesn't work like that. You know, like people right. have businesses and lives. And so I said, let me do that for them. And that's what, that's what I said. I'm traveling. I'll bring my camera. I got a lot of connections. Like, we'll go. I came down to see you guys a couple twice uh, in both locations. Um, and then we talk business. So I want to keep doing that piece of it and providing people with those educational resources, whatever comes up next. Um, the next book, be like the best, maybe be like the best gyms. That's the next book that I'm working on where we're talking about 20 great gyms. How do, what, what are the things that, you know, what were the, the successes, the challenges and what are the recommendations? What marketing, what software are we using? You know, like that type of stuff. Just cause that people, it's funny how people will say, you'll go through this great lecture and, and then they'll say, uh, what's that software you guys are using for your client? <laughs> you know, right, right, wait right. a minute, I just told you this great programming that I had. Now you want to worry, you're asking me about my software? So, um, but yeah, so I want to keep in coaching, uh, starting up a coaching program in the new year on, um, on, you know, really, really accountability coaching. So taking people through this process of designing your life and then helping them stay in it from all these things that I learned through my coaching and then through, uh, through everything I learned in the book. So just kind of continuing with that. That's awesome. How, how can people? How can people get a hold of you? You, you, you dropped a lot of. You, you have a ton of different businesses going on. What's the best place to yeah. kind of? Yeah. Continuefit.com. Okay, that's really like the that's like, the, cent, that's that's like the centerpiece. Main, yeah, that's my hub, and uh, that's where you can contact me. There's a contact form there as well, and you know we have links to strengthcoach.com and Body Bubble Online and and Strength Coach TV. You can see all the other old pod. I had a couple podcasts that I did as well. You can go to there. So yeah. Right and, there, the, and the book and, and the book be like the best how can how can people get a copy of the book yeah it's on amazon number one and uh number two is uh, you can go to continuefit.com we have we you know if you want to know more about it who's in it etc uh, a little bit more about the workbook because i did a workbook as well which is just really all of the be likes it's a collection of the be likes with room for notes so like you, you answer the questions you actually go through it in, in the, the Be Like the Best workbook. So, yeah, that's all at continuefit.com, or you can just go to Amazon or on to Target Publications. That's awesome. And, hey, man, I, I got to be honest, I was a little nervous getting on this podcast because, like, I've heard your voice so much, you know, like everybody's listening. So you're, you're like the godfather of podcasting. So I, I, <laughs> I, I appreciate you taking the time, man, coming on the show. Thank you so much. Tom, thanks for having me, man. It was a lot of fun. Have a great day, Ant. You too.